Hi, it's Jim Stokem, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight we're sitting down with Jim Sweeney from the Mike Cartoon Sports Character. So sit back, relax, and let the fest begin. James, it's good to be on your show. I really uh, appreciate the invitation. I'm excited to talk about uh, what I've created and my sports character and uh, some of the projects that we've worked on over the course of the last couple of years and also share with the audience uh, about where I envision Mike going in the future. All right. Uh, first off, can you describe who Mike really is? Well, Mike is uh, my creation. He's my alter ego. Uh, I felt like I was born with the character. He was coursing through my DNA uh, on my birth date when I came into this world. But Mike is uh, whom we call the ultimate talking head on sports. His real name is Mike Raffone. Uh, he's a microphone. Uh, that's why we call him the ultimate talking head on sports. Uh, he uh, banters quite about, uh, quite a bit about uh, sports, primarily football, basketball, baseball, uh, soccer, and hockey. Uh, he pontificates uh, quite a bit also because uh, Mike views uh, the world of sports through his own unique lens, and he likes to go off on rants and tangents and uh, talk about uh, how he views uh, the world of sports through his mind. And uh, uh, he's funny, he's witty, he's audacious, uh, he's very smart, and uh, he's got big plans for the future. So if you were to look at Mike, you would see he's just a head. He's a talking head. He wears a bow tie, uh, and he sits on a base, and the base lights up, and it's got his name on it. So he could collapse into his base and roll like a hockey puck or a wheel. Uh, you could throw him across the uh, floor and he could slide like he's uh, a disc. Uh, his uh, bow tie can be used as his appendages where he could fly. He can use them as his arms and his legs. He could do cartwheels. So he's got a really neat, uh, you know, creative way in which he was designed. And where I envision Mike as the creator is not necessarily as a static cartoon, uh, but as an animated uh, cartoon character in short increments, in animated shorts on the web, or even on television in very brief uh, episodic uh, ways where he deals with uh, real-life humans, sports stars, celebrities, uh, whatnot. Cool. First off, have you actually started uh, putting together an actual toy for this guy? Because it sounds like it'd be interesting. Well, you know, you could say I put together a national tour in that I've published 40 sports comic books uh, that I've written through the, the voice of Mike. It's different. It's like my own genre. It's not like a, uh, a regular comic strip. Uh, and the comics uh, are all things that Mike narrates and he reports on. Uh, so like one of the uh, uh, my best selling comic books and people always they look at me very quizzically when I say this. But I've sold it on Amazon, and uh, I've sold it very well on Amazon. And it's called Mike's Top Ten Spiritual Sports Favorites. And people thinking, man, you going religious on me, or what are you? What, what are you talking about? Spiritual sports favorites. And it's Mike's take on everything having to do with spiritual terms in sports, like Amen Corner, the golf term, Pigeon Heaven which could be like the worst seating that you have in a baseball stadium. Uh, he's written about Reggie uh, White, who was called the Minister of Defense. 
So they're all different things that Mike sees through his own unique lens that uh, he banters about and pontificates about. Not only does he educate people in the comic books, but he also entertains them. So it's just a very unique way of looking at the world of sports. Then other comic books that uh, Mike has narrated are like his top nicknames in sports, the 25 things he loves best about sports, the 25 things he likes least about sports, uh, the top uh, 10 worst haircuts in sports. So nutty, crazy, left of center, oddball ways in which uh, Mike views the world of sports, he brings them to fruition in his comic books. Yeah, I mean, there is a definite connection between sports and spirituality, just asking anybody on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. But this has nothing to do with spirituality. This is just the take on spiritual um, uh, expressions in sports. As I said, like Amen Corner, the Minister of Defense, uh, Pigeon Heaven, uh, things like that that are pretty funny. They all have comics with them, as like in the Pigeon Heaven uh, comic, it's a guy with his binoculars applying suntan lotion because he's closer to the sun with a pigeon, you know, taking the dump on him. So uh, that that that's where Mike is. He plays in that arena, in that realm where he likes to poke fun at things that are really at the tip of your nose. But uh, Mike even has a book. It's his top 10 favorite sportscasters. And his top 10 favorite sportscasters even include fictional characters like Sam Malone from Cheers fame. Or Tank McNamara, who's a legendary uh, sports comics uh, strip. So he, it's different. It's unique. It's like anything in life. When you start a business, you have to participate. You have to position yourself so that you bring value to people, you entertain, and you differentiate yourself from people that are doing uh, things in the same space. And you have to be unique. And that's where Mike fits in. He's definitely unique. Yeah, I don't think there's really that many characters that are pretty much a sports announcer. I mean, you see that in occasional sitcoms, that sort of thing, but you don't really see it as the character. Well, I'll take it one step further. I'll challenge uh, you. I'll challenge anybody that I come across, you know, walking down the street or your audience is to name a uh, cartoon sports character that's transcended all sports. That's a global brand. There isn't one. And my goal with Mike is to take him and transform him from a static, you know, comic strip or comic book platform uh, to being, you know, an animated character where he's a cartoon character. And I believe I've created what could eventually be like the SpongeBob or the Bart Simpson of sports, because the only sports cartoon characters really that you ever see out there. Uh, and a lot of people don't even know his name. It's Cletus, the Fox football robot. If you ever watched uh, NFL uh, football on a Sunday, you see this transformer, you know, gray and blue robot, you know, that crashes onto the screen uh, during commercials of NFL Fox football. And that character's name is Cletus. But, you know, Fox has even admitted David Hill, who was the former CEO of uh, Fox Sports, says, one of the things we never did was really bring Cletus more fully to life by having him speak. And where I see my character, Mike, is somebody that could be on a major sports network, whether it's ESPN or Fox or Turner or NBC, that interacts with the audience, that uh, can also interact with uh, real life humans, where you have Mike as a pop up at the bottom of your screen 
making some kind of uh, comment or bantering with, uh, say, if it's NFL, you know, Fox football, like uh, with Howie Long or one of the other, uh, you know, sports announcers that have on the screen at the same time. And, you know, just bringing an added entertainment element to the conversation. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting, especially given all the stuff we're starting to see with uh, augmented reality and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the other ways I see Mike coming to fruition as a comic character or really an animated cartoon character is I've written several dozen scripts. They're audio scripts. At first, I introduced them as brief podcasts. All they were were 90 second to like two and a half minute long uh, audio blurbs of uh, uh, I called it Mike on sports. And it was the crazy ways in which Mike views certain things that are happening in the sports world. Now, all those audio things, they were obviously professionally recorded and they could be transferred into animated animated shorts, which I've done on several of them. And I published them, put them out there. People loved them. They thought that they were really entertaining. Uh, they were very witty, but they looked at things through Mike's lens, through Mike's vision, through Mike's point of view. And they were sports expressions that have always been out there that people know, but Mike looks at them in a different way. Like uh, one in particular was uh, like the the crazy games uh, that we play that we never report on. And it was all about foosball. It was about stickball. It was about uh, uh, tabletop, uh, you know, tennis where you use matches. Uh, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, crazy ways that Mike looked at sports and how he can report on games. And Mike has his own studio, like an ESPN studio or a Fox or an NBC studio where he sits on his desk and he's got screens behind them, like big screen TVs. And I put different comics that uh, we pay somebody to draw uh, and we populate them in that screen, in those screens, several of them behind Mike. And that helps uh, Mike tell his story. Because you're not just looking at Mike, you're also looking at the screens behind him as he's telling the story. Cool. Have you thought about trying that with Alexis Briefs or Bixby? No, I haven't. Uh, you know, maybe that's something I need to take a look at. Uh, I, I haven't. I've just been going uh, down the path that I embarked upon, you know, several years ago. It's been working. Uh, but my... Uh, uh, my goal right now is to try and, and sign a licensing deal with somebody that could utilize Mike and the character that I've created, uh, whether it's uh, a major sports site, whether, uh, you know, it's a, a sports network or even a brand that's looking for an animated character uh, to help make the brand that much much more attractive, um, because a number of people over the years have told me that your Mike character could be like a Geico Gecko or an Aflac Duck. Uh, and people equate, you know, uh, Geico insurance advertising with the Gecko and the Aflac advertising with the, with the Duck. And, and that's because, you know, both of those characters, it's really entertainment where they drop in, you know, the branding message. And the same thing could apply when it comes to Mike. Yeah. And in fact, those characters tend to be the most effective when they're actually almost ignoring the products are trying to sell to a certain degree. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing that I've, I've also learned is that people love animated characters and they, 
Uh, even if <laughs> they get mad at an animated character for saying something or, uh, uh, doing something, they, they, they can't stay angry at the character, you know, for too long because they realize it's an animated character designed to, uh, to make you smile and to make you laugh. Uh, but my guy, I mean, I love him. Uh, you know, sure, it is my alter ego. I felt like I was born with the idea many, many years ago. And uh, we we specifically designed Mike in a certain way where he's got uh, medium blue eyes and the eyes are big, bigger. And the media, the medium blue color, you know, with the research that we had done is that it just uh, connoted uh, trustworthiness and empathy. And even Mike, you can see his tongue, you can see his teeth when he speaks so that uh, uh, it's not like, uh, you know, South Park is a hugely successful, uh, you know, animated series, but uh, their animation is not character emotive. Mike's animation is character emotive. Whenever he moves, whenever he says something, if he jumps on the desk, if he spins around on his desk. You know, his entire body moves and all of his facial expressions, you know, they change. So that makes a, a, a richer, deeper connection, we believe, with the audience that's uh, watching Mike in action. I know you just said something you getting. So how much success have you had on Amazon? Well, I've got 25 books that I'm selling on Amazon and have been for the last several years. We get a quarterly, uh, uh, you know, royalty payment from Amazon. I wish it were more, but it's not. Um, I mean, I only sell the books for 99 cents and they're content rich with, uh, lots of, uh, drawings. Uh, so, uh, my percentage, uh, of my royalty is not necessarily that great, but the whole, um, uh, drive and motivation and impetus behind getting those books out there is that in each and every one of the books uh, I do have embedded in them because they're ebooks is affiliate links to those companies that, uh, you know, people that buy the books can uh, potentially buy something from. And then I earn a commission if they do purchase something. In addition, you know, the purpose of the books is to get the Mike branding message out there. So people, you know, can see Mike of a book. My books are normally 90 to 100 pages long and they're, you know, several dozen uh, impressions of Mike in the book. So if somebody, you know, buys the, downloads the book, reads the book, they're going to see Mike, you know, several dozen times. And that just, uh, continually reinforces, you know, the Mike message for me. Have you got any, uh, where else have you marketed? Besides, I mean, obviously Amazon and a couple other booksellers with Gavis. Have you got, gotten you know, like a uh, YouTube channel or a Facebook page? Yeah, I did, but I felt that Amazon uh, was definitely the way to go. And I didn't want to put the cart before the horse in uh, the animation because my, my goal is, sure, Mike is a comic. Sure, I sell comic books, make money on the comic books. Sure, I've had success there. But the real success and the motivation is for Mike to be a talking head uh, as an international icon as a, you know, the trademark sports character that I've created him. So if I started by getting a YouTube channel out there, um, you know, I, that would be a cross purposes of, as, uh, of what I want to really accomplish. And that's to partner with a major corporation that has 
the wherewithal, the distribution, and uh, some of the um, the other support mechanisms that I would need to uh, make Mike, you know, the uh, uh, the international global brand that I want him to become one day. That's actually sort of why I was suggesting YouTube is because you be, have you ever watched a sh- uh, show called Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand? No, but I'm writing that down now. Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. No, I've never heard of that. Thank you for sharing it with me. And why do you think it would be uh, in my best interest to re- to watch it? Be time, uh, Mystery Science Theater Three K is pretty simple. You just watch. Remember when you watch those really bad movies and you throw out a lot of really interesting fun comments at the movie because it was just so horrible. Yeah. Well, they basically do this for as a show. And I know it's uh, on Netflix right now, but it's also been on at its own movie. It's had its own YouTube thing, and it's started off in basically a public access type situation. And it's just one of those shows that's managed to accrue a certain cult following over the years because it's just they have a whole lot of fun just making fun of the really horrible movies we all sort of love and hate. Yeah. I'm going to take a look at it. Thank you for sharing that with me. The reason I brought it up was because when we start looking at the YouTube uh, presenters, we, we basically, at least I tend to think more in terms of the gaming channels. You know, people who do the playthroughs for, you know, all the various different types of games, like Final Fantasy, pretty much everything, even Doom. And then while they're doing it, there's a lot of really, they're just having fun commenting on what they're finding, what they're doing, all that sort of thing. But I emphasize, that's a gaming channel. Yeah, that's not, I'm not a I'm not a gamer, and Mike's Mike wouldn't be a fit for a gaming channel. I don't think. Interesting to see what would happen if you were to do something similar. If you were to take some of the bigger games, like say the the Super Bowl or anything happening in March Madness, or even the big soccer matches, and actually have a little bit of fun playing with Mike in that realm. Huh. Okay. Uh. Actually have him as an actual sports announcer of sorts for the game. And just have him just simply riff on the game. I I could do that just sitting in front of my television <laughs> because I do that naturally. That's uh it just it just uh emanates out of me <laughs> without any kind of provocation. And I am Mike. I am the voice of Mike. I'm the you know, obviously the creator of Mike and the guy that puts together all the content. I'm seeing if you could possibly use something to be sort of mixing, having actual character on the actual screen while he's actually riffing would be sort of interesting to watch. Yeah, the challenge there is what do you do with the rights? Um, uh, you know, if, if it's a screen, uh, if it's on the screen and it's FIFA or NBA or NCAA, you know, you're, I really can't take that and put it on YouTube. I get shut down right away. That would be something worth looking into. Uh-huh. Great. Now I've got a question for a lawyer now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, anyway, um, just we're, this part of the show, keep in mind, is we tend to do a lot of weird marketing things. We sort of have to. So, comics, you got to love them. Yeah, absolutely do. I've, I've always had an affinity for comics. I've always loved uh, humor, wit, uh, you know, satire. Uh, I'm all over it. I'm all about it, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's some really great stuff on the on the on the website itself. Well, thank you. 
Might as well do a quick free plug of uh, www.theemike. The Mike, T-H-E-E-M-I-K-E.com, T-H-2-E-M-I-K-E.com, as in the long-awaited microphone messiah, poised to save America from its own self-induced sports coma. So that's my guy, The Mike. Right. Uh, this goes leading you that is you've got some a lot of really interesting stuff there. I mean, you've got links to all your books, all the comics. Yes. Yeah, and the, the people that like there's the books that uh, I have on the website. Uh, almost all of them I give away for free. I sell 25 on Amazon, but I have shorter books that I give away for free on the website. And you know, my Mike's top 10. People love that, like top 10 sports icons of Chicago, top 10 sports icons of Boston, of Philly, of L.A., and of New York. And each and every one of the books has got its own designated chapter about one sports icon that has uh, its own unique comic. And uh, like one of the best comics, the best um, uh, uh, responses that I ever got on one of the comics is the Sultan of Swing. And if you're a baseball fan, if you're a historian, Babe Ruth was called the Sultan of Swing. And there's a picture of a chubby, uh, very cheeky, you know, Babe Ruth in his pinstripe Yankee uniform. And he's got like a Sultan's turban that he's wearing while holding uh, and in his stance uh, batting lefty. And it's just very simple. Sometimes, uh, you know, comics, uh, they could say the most when they they really don't have uh, when that much content in the comic. It's just a simple, straightforward content comic that captures uh, the moment perfectly. And the Sultan of Swing with Babe Ruth is is one of the best. I didn't draw it. I can't draw a stick figure. So all of the comics, you know, that I do have, and I have a library of hundreds of them, maybe almost a thousand now. And uh, we hired somebody on a work for hire agreement to bring all the things that I envisioned that I wanted to incorporate in my mic books um, in a work for hire agreement with an artist up in Massachusetts. Yeah, that definitely comes to you in the comics. I mean, they're basically one panel things that pretty much describe exactly what a fan would think of a particular term. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've got things, uh, you know, uh, sports cliches that I bring to life. I've got people. I've got nicknames. i got a book on nicknames, top 25 nicknames in sports. And uh, one of my favorite nicknames, and this guy, uh, Alex Salzberg, I'll give him a plug from Massachusetts. He absolutely killed it, and it was uh, Scarface. Um, there's a uh, one of the best soccer players over the course of the last 10 years. His name, name is uh, Frank Ribéry, and he's from Marseille, France. He plays with uh, Bayer Leverkusen uh, in the German League. And they call him Scarface because he actually has a scar on his face when he was knifed as a kid. And uh, Alex brought to life uh, a profile of Frank Ribery with a black and white iconic photo uh, that Al Pacino made famous in the Scarface movie. And really simply done, but great contrast of colors, just really sharp. And uh, I'm really proud of that one. I thought Alex did a great job. Yeah, it's definitely this is definitely something for the fans. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of comics that are you have to know exactly what you're talking about in order to get the punchline. 
Yes, yes. That's why it's for sports. And uh, the you know most people are that are soccer fans are going to buy the the soccer book. And if they're international, it's like you can see in Amazon where the purchases come in, and the soccer books were primarily uh, purchased by people overseas. But those people wouldn't be buying my NFL. Uh, football comics because they don't have the NFL in Europe. True. I mean, I can see rugby fans doing it, but definitely not not something you see, you know, widely used. Yes. And I wouldn't do, like, rugby and some sports I stay away from because what I've done, I, I tried to approach this through uh, uh, from the standpoint of it being a business where a predominant amount of the comics I've done have been American football followed by baseball, then followed by basketball, then international football or soccer, then hockey. Because I looked at uh, uh, the pie chart that, uh, you know, the sports resource companies put together as to how much um, of the American uh, sports public views football versus the other major sports. And football far and away is number one, followed by baseball, then, uh, then basketball, then soccer, and and it's like hockey is only 2.5%. But I do have uh, plenty of hockey stuff because I personally like hockey. Obviously, you're not going to be having a whole lot of curling jokes. You know something that most <laughs> – I did a, a curling comment. Well, I shouldn't say I did. I envisioned the comic, and Alex Salzberg brought it to fruition. That is my number one uh, hate mail that I've ever gotten in my entire career with Mike and Mike reporting on curling because I've done a blog on it and I did about a two minute episode that on uh, my pot that on the Mike podcast when I had it that I want to bring to life through animation and it was two it was uh, two teams facing off curling and I got more people and and all I tried to do was to lampoon it and I wasn't disparaging but I was trying to make a little bit of Levity out of it. I got more hate mail, but it goes to show you that, uh, you know, divi- divisiveness uh, sells. And when I posted that thing, that blog, I can't believe the responses I got on it. I can't. But then again, I'm used to seeing a lot of weird stuff happen in terms of characters you think are going to be really great tend to, don't, yeah. tend to go over about as well as a lead balloon. And you've got characters that you are so quirky, you know they shouldn't be out there more than like a couple of episodes and yeah. issues, and those tend to be the fan favorites after a while. Huh. So, just look at Miles Morales if you ever get a chance in the comics. But, um, yeah, but it's sort of neat that you actually went through and actually crunched the numbers to determine which comics you'd have to be most interested in. Yeah, well, that, that information is pretty... Uh easily available if you know where to look for it and it just uh, breaks down the, the like the annual pie chart uh, of um, what percentage of fans tune in to, and use their purchasing power to buy things by sport and uh, that's that's how I kind of I, I shouldn't say that's how I kind of that's how I based how much money I would spend on on certain comics definitely I mean it's not a bad way to do it yeah, and I'll do the same thing when I have to spend time on the animation because the animation is really expensive, and I I wouldn't want to spend uh, a predominant amount of money on hockey knowing that those dollars would be better served uh, being u- utilized towards uh, 
basketball, baseball, and American football, uh, you know, type of uh, animated shorts. Yeah, I can definitely see why that would. Be. I mean, again, hockey's pretty is a pretty popular sport, and yeah, you've got that same you know vitriol fueled fandom going. I mean, yeah. let's get real. Hockey is not a game you want to basically sit back and just think about. Yeah, exactly. But the stuff I wrote on, uh, uh, like the comics that I did for hockey that were really popular. And maybe it's because I, I just happened to tap into a vein of which people weren't looking um, to poke fun at certain things having to do with hockey. You know, sure, I did, you know, um, a, a comic on a lot of the great players like the Gordie Howes and the Wayne Gretzky's and Mario Lemieux's. But the two most popular comics that I did, and I even did um, uh, podcasts on them, were The Blue Line in Hockey. And Mike, as I said, he likes to go on rants and po- uh, pontificate. And it was all about who the heck decided to paint the blue line blue in hockey. Why is he discriminating against you know people that like the color green or red or wherever? And he just goes on and on and on. And uh, the other one that I wrote, or that it was a comic, and then we did a uh, a, chat, a whole blog on it that that did very well, was the Zamboni driver, and he was you know a driver of the baddest to the bone you know vehicle in sports. So people like that because it was just a different way of looking at uh, at something that everybody's seen, but no one's really you know seen it that way or looked at it or that you know through that lens that Mike has. So that's that's how I try and differentiate things. Yeah, it would definitely be interesting to see a full-length animated thing with Mike going on. Yeah, I can send that to you. I'd be happy to. But this was great. Oh. I mean, it basically, um, again, it'd be interesting to see uh, any other kind of merchandise you play with with Mike or just the comic books? Uh, just the comic books. That's it. And then if there's any other merchandise... You know, if you if you get one of the comic books and you click on a link uh, in a chapter that I write, say, about LeBron James, and it happens to direct you to the NBA store and you buy a LeBron James jersey, then I'm uh, full disclosure in the books. I actually make a commitment, a commission uh, on that jersey that you buy as a result of obviously clicking on the link that started uh, in my book. Well, I was looking for things that would be obviously – Doing uh, things like uh, Mike T-shirts, that sort of thing is actually more what I was looking at. Uh, we tried that. It was not uh, really an avenue that we wanted to follow uh, because I'm thinking that, you know, we sign a deal, merch, a licensing deal, and that that stuff blows up overnight in a good way. Well, I'm looking at it, he might actually, he would actually do pretty well on some of the more interesting uh, t-shirt sites, like T-Furry, T-Spring. But it's just, they tend to look for weird, quirky stuff on those sites anyway, so. Okay. I'm going to go take a look at those things. I looked at T-Spring before, but not T-Furry. Admittedly, I'm a big fan of Zazzle, but that's that's me. Um I can get away with a lot more weirdness on Zazzle than I can anywhere else. <laughs> but it's just, this is a character who definitely looks like he has some definite marketing potential. Oh, yeah, without doubt. I think he's got the great marketing potential once he comes to life uh, as an animated short because that's where his personality flourishes because he's nutty, he's witty, 
he's very quick. He's uh, condescending. He's self-deprecating. And then his his character and his personality will flourish if you see him as an animated cartoon uh, instead of a, a static comic. So, yeah, this is definitely have some interesting potential here. Well, thank you. So, you've been, so when it comes to Amazon, uh, he going to Amazon, but again, comic books. Um, what kind of, what kind of, yeah, what kind of advertising you do for the books, or is it pretty much just a website? It's the website, and uh, you know, periodically I put out some Facebook posts. So I'll, I'll push some stuff out on LinkedIn. Believe it or not, I get uh, good responses from LinkedIn. Uh, and it's because they allow you to blog and I've got, you know, thousands of followers or connections on LinkedIn and I'm a member of probably 20 different sports groups. So when I publish a, uh, a blog, I say, this is my character, um, uh, that I ghostwrite the blog through, you know, people, people find it. I mean, people like it, they comment on it. Uh, so, uh, you know, that. As far as spending money on the advertising, no, I, I don't. Not a dime. I've never spent a dime on it. I go to I go to sports conferences. I spend money there in order to get into the conferences to look for you know potential partners that could potentially uh, license our character. But no, I I won't spend money on on the advertising. I don't feel I need to. It'd be interesting to see. You basically pretty much do PDFs. Do you do any actual printed books? No, but that's uh, on uh, uh, on slate for the rest of this year, uh, the uh, second part of this year. I'm currently writing on a, a book now uh, that I want to finish. It's it's not Mike related. It has to do with my volunteer gig in sports. And once I get done with that, uh, then I w- my first book is going to be a combination of two Mike eBooks and. Uh, it's going to be Mike's top 25, uh, the best things he likes about sports. And then on the flip side, it'll be the top 25 things that he likes least about sports. And the, the ones, the least about sports, I know people will like because it'll be flopping, you know, in soccer. It'll be spitting in baseball. It'll be just silly, stupid stuff, you know, that happens in sports that people see, but nobody really writes about. So, I, I I draft a comic, you know, that tries to capture it, like the uh, this no spitting in baseball. It, that's funny. It's it's just about Mike's campaign to, what is it, to uh, exterminate expectorating in the, our nation's favorite spa- pastime. That's the caption underneath it. Uh, and I know that that would be successful just based on some of the feedback we've gotten from the digital publication. Definitely. I mean. And in all honesty, it wouldn't be that hard. Since you are set up on Amazon anyway, it shouldn't be that hard to set up on the uh, print version. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, at that point, it's just basically instead of just going PDF only, you'd basically, you'd just basically you ask them to do a print version as well. Oh, yeah. And, and the uh, print version will have, so if it's 25 of the best and 25 of the least favorite, uh, there'll be 50 comics in there. There'll be a lot of uh, commentary, and they'll, it'll be an entertaining book. But the only thing I would need to do is just, uh, you know, take out the hyperlinks. That that wouldn't be difficult to do. 
And some of these books, since I've been doing them for a few years, is that, you know, I had version one, I had version two, version three. This would be version four. And I'm sure every time that I've done a new version, which has been once a year uh, or a little bit longer, uh, I always fine tune the books. I always make them tighter. You know, I always uh, think of something wittier, funnier, uh, more poignant to say. So it would be a good exercise for me. When it comes to the blogs, they're just pretty much straight text as opposed to the illustrations. I always add an illustration if I can. Okay, I mean, but the main part of the blog is they pretty much are text. Yes, absolutely. Have you thought about taking the blogs and actually printing them as a separate book by themselves? Uh, I did, and I didn't see a lot of um, as much success in that and that I wanted. But a lot of the blogs are actually chapters out of the book because I do a, a Throwback Thursday blog, and because. Uh, Mike is a vintage-looking character. You can see when you look at him, he's more vintage-looking than modern. And Throwback Thursday fits in perfectly with a blog. And you know, I'll write about like like the number one sell number one most downloaded uh, or read blog that I had was uh, Murderers Row, and it was the 1927 New York Yankees. And uh, you know, and it, I did it on a throwback Thursday because it's a vintage blog and it's about a vintage team, like the greatest baseball team supposedly ever. And, you know, there are certain sports holidays since I've been doing this for a couple of years. I just I, I take the easy route. I just change the date and upgrade it from 2019 to 2020, like on um, what was it? February 20th uh, when they celebrated. Uh, the United States uh, Miracle on Ice victory over the USSR. I think it was the 40th year celebration. I've used that a couple of times. And I, I'm very frank. I just say, hey, it worked last year. People loved it. You know, you want to relive the memory? Here's the comic. Uh, here's some quotes from the, the players. And that's easy. It's, uh, it's an easy day's work. It takes 30 minutes to do, if that. Uh, but I, I've had success in doing that. Like you said, you've got a lot of really stuff, cool stuff going on. It'd be interesting to see if there's a way to basically make it explode a little bit better. Oh, well, that's the goal. And you've given me some good ideas, so I'm going to look into these things. Thank you. No problem. Like you said, marketing is part of what this is. Um, and I'm going to, it'd be interesting to see if they have uh, the equivalent of a creator's, or sorry, an artist alley at the, one of those sports conferences. <laughs> you know, they, they don't. That's the whole thing. Uh, I thought I had mentioned that probably a year ago, less than a year ago, I went to this thing called the hashtag sports conference in New York City. And, you know, they have all kinds of people that like exhibit there or speak there. Uh, and they do have some creative types, but the creatives are really about, you know, the podcast you have or the new app that you want to put together, but not necessarily people that would fall, you know, in my bailiwick. Um, yeah, you'd be surprised that some of the stuff that you expect to see, but they don't really have. So. Yes, exactly. So, so, all right. Uh, I guess Miles do about two seconds because you did mention it. When it comes to volunteer basketball, how much of an experience has that been? That has been an integral part of my life for the last ten years. I, I tell people I have the world's greatest volunteer gig. And I help recruit players and organize teams to take them to 
international master's age basketball tournaments around the world. And the ages start at 35 and they go up to 75. Uh, but the, the sweet spot is really the 45 to 60 year olds where people are still really competitive. We've had former NBA players. Almost everybody played in college, um, for men and women. And, uh, like within the last couple of years, I played in the, uh, world championship in Finland. There were 300 teams, uh, last August. Um, I played in Brazil, Japan, Czech Republic, Italy, Greece, Ukraine, Moldova, uh, England, Ireland, play all over the world. And the beauty is, uh, because of what I do with Mike, I could do that wherever I had a scratch pad and uh, access to uh, the Internet. So it's not as if uh, I have to be shackled to a desk back here in Florida where I live uh, to be able to do my work. And a lot of times when I go to these tournaments, I get an inspiration you know, for future blogs or comics or books. It would definitely be hard not to see that happening. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the organization that I serve uh, as the volunteer for, it's called FIMBA, Federation International Masters Basketball Association. And they have chapters in 47 countries around the world. And here in the United States, normally when we go to a tournament, we'll have anywhere from uh, maybe a half dozen to a dozen teams that we take. And it's it's a ongoing process. I mean, 12 months of the year, um, you know, I say I'm working on it. I'm really not working on it because it's something that I do and I enjoy. And it's very natural for me to do this. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Just ignore the parakeet. Hey, I like that. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. I thought it was me for a second. <laughs> no, it's fun. She's molting right now. So I'm like, yay. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, the, I just like to ask you, what's the perception of basketball internationally? I mean, it's just not one of the sports you tend to think of other countries playing. I would say it's huge. Uh, and I said it's a lot more positive than uh, you would think. I would say in some countries, um, you know, bat, uh, soccer or international football is still king. It dominates. But then you go to countries like Serbia or Brazil uh, or England or Slovenia uh, or Croatia, and basketball is the number one sport. It's huge, especially in Serbia. I go to Serbia every November uh, to play in an international tournament, and the commitment to basketball there and the interest level, it dwarfs anything that I've ever seen in the United States. That is their national sport, and they're very good at it. I mean, you can see, you know, they have a number of players in the NBA. I think they finished second in the world in the last uh, world championship. Uh, they're terrific. They're passionate about the sport, and, and uh, you know, it, it, it's wonderful to go there and to be a part of it. Yeah, the obligatory is here is Sacramento Kings. I know nothing about Serbian players. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, Vladi Divac is your GM, right? And then Bojan Bojanovic is one of your guards. Coincidentally, as far as the Sacramento Kings are concerned, I went to high school with Joey Malouf, one of the former owners of the Kings. Yeah, he was a good athlete. He was a basketball, baseball, and a football player in high school. So, 
Yeah, it's just like you said. It's, I mean, I know there's, I know there's a lot of country, a lot of countries that play basketball. It's just, and it's not exactly it's the most difficult sport to set up. And all you need is, all you need is some sort of a hoop. But it's just not one of those sports you tend to think of as one of our major imports, is all. Yeah, it's well, uh, football is still number one. It's like over thirty-five percent. Then baseball is about twenty percent of the overall sports pie in America. Basketball is climbing. I think it's like 13 or 14 percent, you know, followed by soccer, then hockey. Then I think uh, boxing is, is number six. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, again, purposely dwelling on it, it's just you're starting to see a lot of American. It's just not one of those few American exports you just don't hear a lot about unless you actually know where to look. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Americans uh, that play overseas, especially in Europe and uh, some in South America, uh, and they get paid uh, pretty good money to play abroad. And you have uh, basketball in China, which is growing. I mean, hence the popularity of uh, the late Kobe Bryant and uh, LeBron James. Um, and where else? The Philippines is big in basketball. I think North uh, South Korea is getting bigger. Uh, it's popular in Japan. So uh, it's a global sport. There's no doubt about that. Well, just to put things in perspective, I mean, I played in uh, a world championship in Italy in 2017. They had 367 teams from 51 countries that were playing, and they call it senior. And a lot of people think, oh, senior, that must be a bunch of 80-year-olds. But the senior uh, designation starts at age 35 for men and 30 for women. So to have, you know, uh, over 5,000 participants, you know, spend all that money and travel all that distance to play in a tournament, uh, I thought it was very impressive. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's that sort of just, that's just sort of like amazing. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. But, uh, hey, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Jameis, for having me a part of your show. No, just a big thank you, and if uh, the listeners want to take a closer look at Mike, it's themike.com, T-H-E-E-M-I-K-E.com, themike.com. All right, and like you said, we've covered, you got pretty much a lot of stuff on Amazon as far as the books go, and you've also got a couple, and you've also got a Facebook page, and it's on LinkedIn. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. All right. All right. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. This episode of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews is brought to you by Podfave.com. You love podcasts, but it's hard finding that next bingeable show. Podfave has taken out the guesswork by easily identifying the best podcasts out there, so you can spend less time searching and more time listening. That's P-O-D-F-A-V-S dot com. And that's our show. For those interested in supporting the show, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O. It features minicasts, the next episode, and unedited interviews, and I'm working on transcripts of the various shows. We also have an Alexis app offering two-minute minicasts offering writing and business tips, as well as affirmations to keep you writing. We also have curated playlists on YouTube, with all the shows broken down to different playlists based on topic. It also includes a good part of available minicasts, as well as the Alexis briefs. So please support our Patreon page, download the Alexis app, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, and please talk to us on Facebook. Thank you, and have a great day.